Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mad Men Recap. I am your consummate host, Paul, coming to you high atop the Brooklyn studios here in beautiful Brooklyn, New York, and fabulous New York City. Uh, as always, I am joined by the best co-host in the business, Dr. John, coming to, uh, to us from sunny Columbus, Ohio. How are you, John? Hey, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I've been ill again, but um, I'm getting past oh, it. Man. I'm fighting okay. through it. Uh, have you saved any, uh, any, any burn victims? Uh, no, no, ver- no burn not victims. Not as of late. Of, uh, no. Well, John, but we're not here to talk about your burn victims, are we? No. I'm glad, I'm glad the numbers have come down. Uh, we're actually here to, uh, to do some recapping here on the Mad Men Recap. We are, uh, back in season two. As you know, these are the lost episodes, John. We've, we've recorded them long ago. Uh, but we put them in the vault. We actually put them in the Disney vault uh, right next to Fantasia. And uh, we're pulling them out for uh, for your listening pleasure. Okay, let's, let's hit play. <laughs> <laughs> okay. John, you... Okay. Thanks, thanks for a little color there. We're, uh, we're, we're recapping Season 2, Episode 11, The Mountain King. And, uh, John, I learned, I learned three very valuable things this time. What do you got? Number two, John... Uh, Especially when talking to you, I have to concentrate on which eyes I should look into. Oh, is that because of my fur? Possibly, possibly. Number two, John, nothing makes your point better than throwing dinner out your high-rise window. And this is true. Uh, I've actually, I've done this several times. Um, it makes your point, uh, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't help out your relationship. Keeps the calories down. Thank you, sir. The other thing I learned, and this is very important, John, when caught in a lie, first thing you do is deny, then deny, then deny. Then if that doesn't work out, offer dog tags and a purple heart. It just, it, it, it tends just to gel everything. Very good. <laughs> John, thank you. Uh, well, let's get into it. As I said, we are, we are here to recap the Mountain King. Um, the episode starts out with uh, Betty Monster. Uh, who we all know and love, uh, yelling at the kids, John. Well, it, it doesn't exactly start with that. She starts off by signing Don's paycheck. John, are you going to nitpick with me again? <laughs> well, no, I just thought it was interesting because we get to see how much Don Draper actually pulls down a year. Uh, $50,000. John, actually, I'm going to... Uh, okay, fine. She- but anyways, uh, so that, that's kind of what that starts out with. We see that she can forge Don's name, and then she... Feels that something is a foul. Now, this is what I didn't quite get. Her and Don smoke like five packs a day. How is she going to pick out another scent of smoke? Oh, you think she smelled a little Sally Draper uh, smoking in the bathroom? I know she did. She makes the smell face. Oh, the smell face. Now, is that a, is yeah. that a medical thing? No, that's a face you make when you smell something. Oh, I don't, I don't make that face. I have a horrible sense of smell. Is that because you always wear that uh, Huckleberry Hound mask? It is. Uh, it does dampen. Uh, the sense of smell. Uh, yeah, you're right. I, I just recently started wearing the Huckleberry Hound mask after seeing this episode, uh, in which yet again uh, I think the, they couldn't uh, get um, the same Bobby. Uh, right. This is a different Bobby. This this could just be John. This this could be the third Bobby. Or, or fourth. I think we should investigate this because All right. uh, the kid always has a mask on. But uh, kind of the the driving point of the scene is uh, Sally feeling like. Betty has driven Don away. 
Oh, of course. And well, let's like. not let's not uh, let's not jump past the fact that she's smoking in the bathroom. She gets caught. Um, uh, Betty grabs her by the hair, John, and throws her in the closet. Just that's standard '60s parental discipline. That's just standard parental discipline. I I I don't know. I don't know where you're from. Any decade. Every decade, John. All right. <laughs> uh, so when in the closet, uh, Sally does uh, tend to call. Uh, Betty, both uh, mean and stupid, uh, which seems to be uh, seems to be right. Well, yeah, the stupid part mostly. I think the mean mostly. Okay, Fair enough. Take me through the rest, John, please. Well, I, I mean, that's you can see that she feels kind of defeated, and she's like, you know, is that what you think? Well, um, you know, that's 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 not really how it is. Um, and, and we'll see this dynamic uh, change a little bit later on as uh, Betty wants to kind of talk more to Sally about what's going on with Don. And we get to move from Ossining, New York, outside to someplace called San Pedro. Yes, John, San Pedro. I think Madonna sang about this place. Yeah. yeah. Is that the same San Pedro? I don't know, John. I didn't have a chance to contact her and ask, but I'd like to think so. <laughs> but that's all we see. We just kind of see that the bus... San Pedro down walking out, uh, enjoying the misty smell of the air while some sailors walk away from him. And uh, that's it. He kind of walks off screen, and we're back to New York, where Peggy is holding a meeting in her Xerox of an office. Yes, yes, she is. It's tough, John, because when you're holding a meeting in an office where there's literally thousands of people passing through at any moment, uh, it's hard for Sal and Kenny Cosgrove to concentrate Especially if there's no refreshments, John. But once she breaks out the booze, everything seems to move okay. They really start to dive into the inner workings of what drives people to popsicles. Great ideas. You break them. Way to go. Pick. You love them. You break them, you love them. Here's, here's what I... Here, I think this was going a little far, John. Uh, this is the things that just annoy me in general. Um, she's talking about... Um, it's almost... When, when she comes up with the idea for the popsicle campaign... It's almost as if she's having a spiritual experience, John. Yes, yes, she's she's kind of looking off towards the uh, the, the land of Nevermore. As as if she divined this from Christ, she tells us about the breaking of popsicles. Well, because when you finish both popsicles and you put them perpendicular, you have a cross. John, brilliant, brilliant again. That's the kind of analysis I depend on you for. Moving on. We uh, well, Pete Campbell's coming back in, and he finds out from his uh, wonderful receptionist. Do you miss? I miss Hildy. I miss Hildy bit. as well. She's uh, she was a lovely girl. Yeah, uh, but he finds out from uh, from her that he has a meeting with Spence Chapin. He doesn't know who that is, thinking it might be a new count. Oh no, it's an adoption agency. What? And uh, I know he he's taken aback, and Hildy is very congratulatory, very excited for him. And, uh, it's a blessed you know, thing to do, John. Don't get me wrong. Well, and if you remember, uh, you know, Pete has had the conversation earlier this season with his brother and his mother about how adoption's no way to go, blah, blah, blah. So, it's not an option, John. We then move into Coop's office. Uh, where his Is this his sister? This is his sister. <laughs> it's the first time we've met him. Yes, sister. she seems like a lovely woman. Uh, comes in to join him for a very posh, posh, uh, hoity-toity uh, type lunch 
Um, yes. Completely catered uh, for the two of them in his office. Uh, we do find out that her hosiery is worth more than the carpet in the office, John. Is that? Well, it doesn't look like the best carpet. It probably is the best carpet. Well, those are some nice hose. I, I won't, I won't <laughs> disagree, John. <laughs> but they have a little talk about, you know, he sounded hesitant at this offer to sell. And he, despite his age, wants to continue to be useful. He wants to work. And uh, she points out that he is, in fact, old. Even older and, uh, than her. And she can't imagine what that must feel like. Yeah, that was kind of a little tongue-in-cheek there from the younger sibling. Hilarious. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, apparently he owns some kind of ranch out west, and she wants him to go visit his cattle. Which he does uh, indeed love. Uh, not out west, John. I think she said out in Montauk. Oh. Yeah. Wouldn't that still be west? Uh, No, that would be east. There is nothing east of New York. Sure there is. There's the ocean. Long Island. Oh, oh, okay. Which is at the end of Montauk's at the end. Oh, well, there you go. Thank you for the uh, geography lesson. I never thought I'd get that from you. No problem, buddy. (laughs) But so it it sounds like uh, he kind of of deigns to that thought that that would be nice. And uh, and that's it. We move. Uh, we do get the feeling, though, John, as uh, as one would, uh, that uh, Coop has put his life into this, and of course is a bit hesitant to just sell it, uh, kind of all of the sudden, you know. Absolutely, he want he wants to be he wants to continue with his life's work. Certainly, certainly. Uh, we then have a flat. Well, we 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 then we then see uh, uh, Don in California. And we go to uh, meet someone that we have not met before, John. Well, we kind of did in the last episode. Oh, damn it. So in the last episode, Don has a flashback about when he's selling cars and this blonde woman comes up to him and says, you know, you're Don Draper. Uh, I'm I'm his wife. And that was the end of the show. So now he's knocking on this door. We go back to the flashback. He has followed him to his... I can't apartment office. I'm, I'm not sure, uh, but I think it might be apartment. Yeah, and uh, and Don Don continues to try and finagle his way out of this, and she really kind of uh, she kind of tacks him up to the corkboard. She's got him. I like when she says that she has a uh, she has a a note on her dresser at home that says where she's at. So no funny business, pal. Alluding right, that, she, alluding that she she could be a, a bit concerned that he's going to kill her, John. Right, but I mean, come on. Once you meet Don, are you really worried about? That? I am. He has that wild look in his eye, John. He's done. Yep. He's done things in the past, like run away from the army, like run away from life, John. Oh. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> um, but he, you know, he finally finally gives in and says, "You know what? He died, and he never talked about you," uh, which you know, she didn't take too well. No, uh, but then she does uh, kind of give, uh, she does allude to uh, them having a relationship of some sort by saying, you know, what am I going to do with you? And then we flash back to present day for Don and uh, knocks on the door and it's Anna and she comes and hugs him and brings him inside. Uh, Anna's a piano teacher, John, and uh, she's uh, has a, a little boy in her uh, in her house playing the Mountain King, John. Uh, he's doing a great job, but he says it's a creepy song, John. It's scary. Well, that's why he likes it. That's why I like it. All right. 
fair enough. But, uh, but yeah, we, we find out that, uh, that that Don bought the house. He did. He did buy the house. We also find out that he, he he's uh, he's still kind of spiraling in California, John. He asks if he can uh, if he could just take a shower and lay down. Yeah, he doesn't. I don't think he knows where he's at. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know how he's doing it. But more, he doesn't know who he is. Speaking of, doesn't know how he's doing it. Uh, let's flash back to New York to uh, to see Pete coming home from work, John. He is not happy. Not happy at all. He tells Trudy that they are not going. He is not going to the adoption agency, and she is not either, John. And Trudy tries to say, "You can't talk to me like that." Hell's bells, Trudy. It's and done. That's final. And then to make your point, he, John, he's putting his foot down. He's putting both of them down. <laughs> he and he's also putting the. Bird he's down. also picking up a, a chicken and throwing it out the window, John. Now that's how you, like I said earlier make your point heard uh i commonly i commonly do things uh in a a similar fashion i will um break my own stuff uh i once threw our uh i once threw our tv down the hall uh do i have anger issues john please no i don't but i like how he threw the dish to glass houses john yeah how are you gonna get that dish back buddy you're not it's busted Yes, keep the china. Jeez, I mean, it's fine about the bird. They're newly married. Uh, and then we oh, had John, we head John, over from. John, are you looking at? Um, are you looking at the uh, the screen right now? Yeah. Uh, can can are are you at minute twelve thirty six? Could you go there? Yeah. Do you notice the screen that they have, um, kind of between the kitchen and the and the room? Yeah. Um. Is it me, or is there a really funny shape in there? Just a little I'm something for our here. listeners to check out. Moving on. All right. Uh, we go over to uh, Dr. Uh, Doctor Creepy and uh, Joan's place. Uh, yeah. Joan is trying to uh, have uh, intimate relations, as they say. And uh, the doctor just can't be bothered, John. He's exhausted. He's got to be on call. Yeah. I mean, Jones. Uh, Jones a force to be reckoned with, as they say. So, uh, I don't know. Moving. On. Well, no, I think th- no. This is a very important scene. Thank you. Uh, moving as far moving as later forward, on, yes. Because uh, you know, because Jones. Jones very interested. He's a little tired. She tries to start the action, and he's like, "No, no." And so she just kind of cuddles up next to him, makes sure there's nothing wrong. And so that's a big difference from later on. When he's interested, she says no, no, and then what happens after that? I believe she does offer to do all the work, John. Right, but when he when he expresses that he's not interested yeah. at the time, she she just simply says that's that's fine. Wait, are you saying that she doesn't rape him? In this in, in this, this scene, she there's no raping happening. I can't speak for off camera activity. Sure, sure, sure. What? Uh, we uh, we then get a little flash of the uh, office where we see. Uh, Peggy working real hard. She's burning the midnight oil, John. She's concerned about uh, this uh, popsicle account. Obviously, um, they have a chance to win a little new business here, and uh, she's pretty certain Don's not going to be back to uh, to help out. Now, is this? Did she get? Did she? Um, uh, is this? Is this where we also see that she's big into the pot? I don't think. She, is she going for pot here? It looks like a cigarette to me, John. 
Okay, I couldn't tell. Uh, well, it's it's tough. It's tough to tell. That looks like a cigarette, though. I don't know. I'm taking another look at. It. Yeah, that looks. That's a cigarette. Definitely a cigarette. Okay. Yeah. I mean, unless she's digging out the cigarettes and putting pot in them just to be extra safe. Right. Uh, but I mean, you know, that's just for Matt to know and for us to speculate on, John. <laughs> Uh, but but uh, yeah, so she's just she's working hard, uh, as opposed to Don, who is hardly working. He's just hanging out on the porch <laughs> with his friend Anna, enjoying a, enjoying a beer. Yeah, and just kind of uh, just kind of talking, shooting the shit, as they say, John. Uh, Anna lets him know. Uh, she, I think she's a little concerned about him because he seems rather upset. Uh, she lets him know he doesn't have to talk about it, but she he can if if he wants, and he does kind of do his. Um, Don Draper um, ramble, as they say. Never really making a point, but just letting you know that he's tortured. <laughs> he does it well. Well, he's the best at it. He's the best at it. He tells her, though, that he's having trouble with Betty. Uh, and that's, uh, that's no good. We then uh, go back to Coop's office, John, if you don't mind. No, no, let's head there. Okay. Uh, we, we see Roger coming in, and uh, Roger would like to just make sure uh, that Coop's still down for selling the company. Well, and, and he says that the offer is very lucrative, and he's very excited. He thinks it's all, all go. And uh, this is where Bert expresses out loud more his concern about, you know, getting rid of his life's work. Sure, that's a big deal. And, yeah, and and Roger kind of gives him a little what for, saying, "Look, I know I didn't. You don't think I put in my time, but it's been twenty years." Yeah. Uh, and uh, any any point, you know, he makes a point. You can still come to work, still need, you know, still your name on the wall. Yeah. Uh, just there's going to be diamonds on the doorknobs. True, true. He then uh, we we then leave the room, and uh, Roger stands up and says, "For your information, Jane makes me very happy." And uh, Coop just looks down at his desk and says, "Well, that's good to know." Because I love, I love the way he responded. Because that. no one cares, John. We all know. We all know what you're after here. You know what I'm saying? Well, no, no. I I, th- I took that more as you know. Roger is continuing to try and talk himself into. Oh that. yeah, totally. He well, he knows everyone's uh, everyone's being a little judgy, as they say in French. I believe that's <laughs> French for judgy. And uh, and uh, you know, he he wants people yes, to yes. know that. Hey man. Hey man. I'm not just doing this because she's young and hot, okay? We're in the love, okay? The love, and, and no one's convinced. What? No one's convinced. I'm convinced. Okay. Pete's doing you know a... We, we, we jump to the, the Rapey Pete Campbell's office, and he's doing a little diction on, um, on Aaron's space need for um, advertising, John. And he receives a, an unfortunate phone call. Indeed. Uh, the, the father-in-law is calling up and, and saying that, you know... Uh, we're gonna have to review the uh, the accounts, and you know Pete's Pete's pretty pissed off because this has nothing to do with work. Obviously, their sales are going well. Uh, it's really all to do with his argument with his daughter. This and, is the uh, first look, though, we get at Pete's balls. Wait a minute, that came out wrong. Anyway, he does <laughs> he does say, uh, you know, he's not gonna back down to the father-in-law, um, and when uh, you know he says you're up for review, he's like, well then, fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. F it. Uh, I got to say, I don't, I mean, the father-in-law obviously was trying to do this as a scare tactic. He wanted Pete to be like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. You know what? Maybe we'll go to the agency and at least check it out. But Pete held strong 
And then the father-in-law was kind of trapped with, well, you know, like he doesn't really, you know, he doesn't want to really take the business away from Pete because then Pete looks bad at work and it could hurt his career in some way. Well, not only that, but the, 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 the boss is going to look bad because he's been getting great work out of this company. Yeah. You know, sales are, are good. And so his, he's going to have to answer to somebody like, hey, why'd you make this change? Yeah. Yeah. Well, but he can tell the other agency just to keep going like they were, you know? Yeah. We then, uh, we then see uh, Don back in uh, sunny California, and uh, he has a little flashback to uh, Christmas uh, before he moved to New York uh, when he uh, told Anna about how he met Betty, John. Yeah, how excited he is and how he's in the purple haze. And how great she is. No, it's a lavender haze, John, please. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a lavender haze. I was going to actually ask you if you'd, if you'd ever been in a lavender haze before. Uh, not without some chemical help. Oh, oh my. We, we learned so much about you in every episode, John. I have been, I have been uh, uh, lavender hazed uh, before. It is a wonderful feeling, John. I can only hope that, y- 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 that you, you experience such lavender haze. Was that extremely awkward? No, no, but I think it is funny that uh, doing a a little search from our friends at Google, there is a lavender haze weed. Yeah, You mean uh, cannabis, John? Yes. Fair enough. Uh, So she says that's that's the best. Uh, Don says, one little hiccup here, though. You are going to have to divorce me. And uh, Anna says, oh, I didn't even think about that. Now there's going to be another Mrs. Draper, uh, and she says, stupider one. this is oh, much dumber, John. Thank you. Um, this is going to be the last Christmas we hang out together. This is going to be it. And uh, I'm, I'm certain that it was. Um, and Don remembers that uh, fondly. We then jump back to New York, John, and we're in the meeting room. And what are we talking about? What, for the, the meeting in New York? Yeah. Well, I, I think we're talking about popsicles. Are we talking about popsicles? What are we saying about popsicles? Well, I think we're saying that <laughs> you, you love them. I mean, not only are we saying that you like them to eat them, to break them, and share them, and love them, but we're also saying that they're handed out by an alien with a long neck. <laughs> John, so uh, just a little inside baseball, everyone. Uh, before we started the show, you know, John and I do a little, a little pre-chat, you know, uh, and uh, he brought up the fact, and if you go to minute 2548, uh, um, you'll see the poster that, um, that Peggy presents, uh, which says, take it, break it, share it, and love it. Um, and the uh, mother that's drawn in this uh, poster, according to John, has a freakish alien neck that, uh, that severely disturbs him. You can't tell me I'm wrong. I mean, just look at it. It's a little long, uh, but I, you know, the more I look at it, the more freakish it looks. You're right. <laughs> but I actually liked the poster. I like the, the font, take it, break it, share it, love it, and the little popsicle. Uh, uh, I don't know what I think about the orange circle around. Uh, for some reason, I like that. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, uh, so, so Peggy's able to kind of sell this whole idea of, you know, you can... It doesn't need to be 100 degrees outside for you to, you know, share this experience of having a popsicle. And um, the guys uh, that they're presenting it to love it and say, you know, hey, we, we, we didn't tell anybody this, but we actually were really hoping that someone would use, um, you know, uh, uh, love it or love in the, uh, in the uh, campaign. So uh, 
big, big story. And it's funny because the guys actually say, you know, I like it, but the, the mother, she looks familiar. And I was wondering if it's like because she's an alien. Hi, do aliens look familiar to you, John? No, to this guy. He looks like he's seen them. Oh, you think he's been abducted? Yes. Well, borrowed. <laughs> fair, fair enough. I'm moving on with, with or without you on this one. Um, we then move on to uh, what I like to think of as the, like, the creepiest, most awful scene. Um, Betty calls her good friend... Uh, what's her name, John? Sarah Beth. Frank. Sarah Beth. You know, you may remember Sarah Beth. Uh, we know her from the, um, from the writing range. Um, they are writing friends. And they uh, both used to talk and speculate about that Arthur guy. Oh, yes, yes. And his little fiance. <laughs> yes, yes. They found, no, he, you know, he was kind of the rooster of the stables. Now, I, don't, I, don't remember, I don't know how many episodes this was ago, but I think it was a few where um, they were all supposed to meet for lunch. But Betty really had no intention of going, obviously. And, um, well, because she was so upset and angry. You know, she just found out about the affairs and... And uh, she was just in a foul mood and so set up a, a little tryst. Now, why she went and set up this friend? Because this friend had done nothing to her. Yes, no, misery loves company, my friend. Indeed. Uh, that she set her up. And I mean, let's be honest. Peggy, I mean, ah, Betty did not, um, you know, place them in bed together. But she certainly gave a situation uh, that didn't hurt. Uh, they were at lunch alone. Uh, this Mary Beth has a huge crush on the guy. The guy is obviously really sleazy and will sleep with anything. Not that Mary Beth is unattractive. Don't get me wrong. But uh, this uh, conversation over the phone, uh, you can see that uh, the pure evil streaming from Benny Monster's eyes, John. Oh, yeah. No, when she asks, what did you do? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it's really terrible. She knows. And, and so I, I like how Sarah Beth calls her out on it. Oh, was I saying Mary Beth? God damn it. I'm sorry. That's okay. That happens. Yeah, I just, I, I like how she's, you know, my God, you're an awful woman. that You know that. Yes. I like that. And she does, John. Uh, kind of a funny little scene that kind of, um, kind of just shove in this episode. The conversation? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's cool. It was actually, it's one of the, I think it's one of the most uh, interesting scenes of the episode. It shows what a monster, Betty Monster is, but you know. Yeah, it was kind of a callback to an earlier episode, which is always great. Uh, we then bounce well, over and, to and the think, office, John. Well, where before uh, you before you bounce before you, uh, I think you always I stop my bouncing. Of, by the way, I want you to know this. <laughs> uh, but I think I think one of the reasons they put that in there is to uh, really offset the, uh, the the little tenderness that she tries to show later on to Sally. Oh well, that's I, that's not that's not hard to see how fake that all is. Right. Yeah. But uh, but just to, just to really put it in perspective that she she is evil. Should I start asking bounce permission? No, no, bounce away. I'll just stop you when it's appropriate. <clears throat> then we bounce back to the office, uh, <laughs> specifically Peggy's kind of office, and uh, the Xerox guy is there fixing the Xerox machine, which I'm sure jammed or broke or was broken by someone, and he tells. Peggy, that this is a delicate machine, John, and you have to treat it with respect, as if it was Peggy's fault or broke. This could be the right. last step. This is the last straw that broke the camel's back, John, uh, for Peggy in this office. Well, so she goes to do something about it. Well done. She heads up to Roger's office. Roger's uh, getting ready to leave and, and uh, has to make a reservation, and he 
uh, catches her and, and is not not too thrilled. Doesn't really want to have a conversation. Uh, says he has to has to run, has to go. <laughs> Peggy stops him and says, uh, "I'm a copywriter." Yeah. <laughs> and Roger says, "Why did I call you something else?" <laughs> um, but but she you know she just flat out asks, "Look, I I need an office. My office is a joke." And um, and he says, "Fine." He says, you know, 30, 30 people haven't had the uh, the guts to ask for it. 30 guys haven't had the guts to ask for it. Right. And uh, she, he, he likes how the uh, the ladies are getting more aggressive these days. Yeah, I think they're cute. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so that was a great, that was that was awesome. Uh, I, 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 uh, Peggy herself is stunned. Uh, she, oh, yeah. She was probably thinking that if he, she asked for, um, for uh, uh, what's his name, John? Freddie Rumsfeld. Thank you. God, my mind just went blank. Uh, Freddie's office that he would say, uh, no, but then they would move somebody else and she would get somebody else's office. But she gets the pot of gold at the end of that rainbow, John. And, uh, of course, we the viewers couldn't be more happy for her. We then move on to the creepiest part of the episode, John. Yes, there is a creepy part. Surprise, surprise. And I'm going to let you take care of this one. Well, it all starts with Roger. Uh, as he's finishing up with Peggy, Joan, and Greg come up to say hello. She wants to introduce her, uh, you know, her Superman fiance to the people in the office. They're getting ready to go to a show and to dinner, and um, this is amazing because this this is all set off by the reservation being at a French French restaurant. Roger saying, "I did, I thought you hated French food," and they do like a quick little shot to Greg's face, and he just does a little tiny facial expression, and you know that's it. He's pissed off. Um, he's upset that there's some familiarity there, and uh, that's kind of what leads to the, uh, you know, the, the most uncomfortable scene in the four season history of the show. You think so? Where, uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I think so. I think uh, well, what happens is he asks for a drink in Don's office. She says, "Okay, one drink," and uh, it's a very ominous sound because the the, sh- the camera's on her pouring the drink, and you hear the the lock snap. Ooh. Um, and. Uh, and so he kind of, not kind of, he forces himself on her, and uh, she tries to say no. And, and again, comparing it to the earlier scene where Greg says, you know, no, I, I don't want to. Um, you know, she says, no, this isn't fun, and he just kind of keeps going. And they kind of they, they zoom in as she's uh, staring blankly and helplessly off just towards the wall. Well, he certainly uh, he certainly is not uh, gentle in this situation, John. Uh, no. He's uh, kind of holds her down and uh, puts her his hand on her face. It's it's altogether uh, not not good. And I read a, I read a, an interview with this guy, uh, and they said that before they shot the scene, Weiner came over to him and said, you know, as you're acting the scene, uh, what you need to do is to think that this is exactly what she would want. And so that's kind of how he acted it. I just thought that made it all the more creepy. And so, you know, so he gives her a minute to, uh, I don't know, collect herself or to um, get things back in place. And they, her hair is a little disheveled. They, they head out for their reservation, and she leaves the flowers behind. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's no longer a romantic evening. Indeed. Indeed. But, that, yeah, that was, that was just terrible. I mean, it was uh, really, I can't think of a worse scene so far in the show. As far as just creepiness. Obviously. Well, I just, I mean, you, you know, because you, you kind of grow to enjoy these characters and, you you know, you you want to see them do well. 
for the most part, and uh, everybody, most everybody likes Joan, and to see, you know, a character that you like being uh, raped, it's terrible. Indeed, without a doubt. But uh, they they kind of walk away, and we move back into the meeting room, where Bert's sister walks in with a pair of foxes around her neck. Weird. Yeah. And uh, Roger, Bert, and their lawyer are all there, and they're talking about the... Um, the sale. Mm-hmm. And uh, she kind of asks, you know, shouldn't we hear what Don has to say? And like, well, he doesn't really own enough percentage to be relevant, so we're going to continue on. That's rough. I mean, it's true, though. I mean, you know, if he, although he didn't necessarily, couldn't make a difference, I don't think that's what she was asking. She just wanted his opinion. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so he kind of reads out the formal stuff, and uh, they all say, yeah, we're going to do it. They all say yay, John. Although Bert, a little reluctantly, and they uh, they walk out afterwards. And uh, Hold on. Hold on. Yep. I'm pulling your bounce back, John. Uh, one of the best. I didn't, uh, I didn't bounce anywhere. This is uh, uh, Roger takes a shot at uh, uh, Cooper's sister and uh, says he doesn't know which eyes to look into because she's wearing like a fox, uh, I don't know what do you call that, like a scarf or collar. Uh, very funny. Do you, do you see how like the feet are on the left? It's creepy, John. It it's is. creepy. <laughs> and, uh, and then you, uh, you see uh, on their way out, uh, with, uh, so, somehow she uh, says something about how, um, you know, uh, aren't you concerned about your children? And... Uh, and Roger says, oh, I've only got the one. And she's like, oh, is that right? Obviously taking a shot uh, for him marrying uh, someone that's pretty much his daughter's age. <laughs> yes, yes. No, yeah, a little little poke back and forth there between uh, Roger and the sister. And somewhere in the middle there, we uh, saw Don just kind of walking around sunny California with some groceries. Mm-hmm. And stops in with some hot rod guys working on some cars. And he goes, hey, let me work on the cars. And they're like, you're crazy, man. You, there's, there's no money in this. Yeah, no, it was kind of a, it was kind of an interesting uh, thing because, you know, Don's now at the point right now thinking about not going back. Yeah. I mean, in this moment, he's like, you know what? I'm just not going back. I'd like to just stay here and build cars. That's more awesome than what I have to face at uh, back in New York. So, cause, because it would be another, it would be another instance of kind of running, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm with him. I'd rather build cars. Uh, sometimes you can't do that, John. You've got other responsibilities. Come on. Sorry, but he's not to that point yet. No, 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 not yet. Uh, we then, uh, well, I guess we we already talked about the whole. That's yeah, okay. yeah. We had talked about the whole thing with uh, with them uh, fading out and. Uh, then we go and see uh, Peggers moving into her new office. John, how exciting. Uh, she really has yeah. stepped up in the world. And uh, the douche crew comes over. Yes, douche crew won, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> Kinsey, who uh, I got to say, I, I still hate that guy. Well, he's back from South. That smug look on his face. You just want to punch him in his fat face. And, um, and the other guys, yes, we know that uh, we, we hear that he's back from the South. Um, the funny thing is his, um, his girlfriend... Uh, dumped him three days into it. Probably because she couldn't stand the sound of his bitch voice, John. 
Or or the sight of his uh, bearded face. Yes. He is, the, I, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say that this guy's modeled, he is modeled after a, a modern day uh, hipster. Oh, really? I believe so. All right. Yes. The beard and just doing things because they're, you know, provocative or cool. He's a douche. Oh, and, then, and then, you know, and then he lays into Peggy for, you know, uh, sleeping with Don again. Bastard. For, his, for the office. Bastard. Uh, so everybody's very disgruntled. I like how Cosgrove asks if anybody's heard from Don. Joan says, yes, he just called. He wants you to go to work. Awesome. Joan uh, still has got the zingers. Uh, there's a little exchange then between uh, Joan and Peggy. Um, Joan's kind of telling, or they, they kind of discuss her husband. And Joan's kind of... How is a keeper? He is indeed a keeper. Uh, but Peggy's a bit preoccupied with, uh, with her new office. And it's just kind of, yet again, kind of showing the division between the two. And how it just keeps getting further. Peggy is, and, Peggy is rising and Joan is falling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, Joan just saw her whole uh, vision of this happy marriage just collapse. Fade away. Can I bounce, John? Yes. I'd like to bounce to the next scene where we're back at the Draper household with Betty Monster. And we hear uh, Sally come in, maybe from playing outside, maybe from the library. Who knows? Not important. Um, but uh, Betty Monster calls her in and uh, tells her that she's a big girl and that... Um, she, 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 you know, she's sorry about how things were going before. She'd like to give her something, John, something she wants. Because someday she won't be able to give um, little Sally Draper something she wants. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't either. I think it, I think it was meaning that, you know, um, you know, as Sally gets older, you know, she'll want thing, she'll, I, I, I thought, you know, like she may want a, a boyfriend or a boy, you know, and, it'll, you know, that's, that's out of, uh, did did you think it was in reference to when Sally's going to ask for her dad, and, and Betty won't be able to do that? Oh God, I am stupid, and you are right. <laughs> oh my God, do you just bring me on the show to embarrass me? No, I, you I have feel to like set me... I feel, oh, I have to set you up. Yeah, so does that, does that make me dumber then? <laughs> oh God, I'm done. Uh, anyway, <laughs> she uh, she. She then uh, uh, gives Sally the boots, the riding boots, which, you know, she's kind of been obsessed about. And she's very excited. Now, John, there's a, there's a strange thing at the end of this at the end of this scene. Did you notice this? Well, the bleeding? Yes. Yeah. What is that about? Well, I, I don't want to ruin it for the next show. She's got some, I mean, she's got some, some female issues going on right now. Oh. Oh. Oh, okay. I mean, we're going to get a little more explanation actually uh, about that. They they didn't show much. Uh, they actually didn't show anything. That's fine with me. That's good. <laughs> but yeah, no. It, she she didn't she didn't cut herself with her nails or anything. If that's what you with her claws. Moving on, John. <laughs> uh, we're back in California. A lot of jumping around. We're back in California with uh, Anna and uh, and, uh, and, our, and our good pal Donnie Draper. And Anna wants to kind of do a tarot card reading. She's into that stuff, John. How does that work? A tarot card? No, I just mean this whole scene, please. Oh, well, I think the the this this is Anna once again imparting wisdom on to Don. Yes. Uh, it, it's we have a quick little flashback here where 
Uh, Don pulls out the Meditations in an Emergency, which we saw him mail to a nameless person uh, several episodes ago. Um, so we find out that, that she is the one. But, uh, but she pulls out all these cards, and she sees a bunch of different stuff. You know, they, they talk about the Judgment Day. Uh, and then she talks about the soul of the earth and where it is in the layout and how it refers to Don and what he's bringing to the world. And uh, the only thing that's stopping him from a fruitful life is the fear of being alone, even though he is not. And I think this is kind of the impetus that's going to spur Don back into his life and back to the East Coast. Now, does she come off as a straight-up nut job? Which one? Uh, Anna? Anna? Yeah. For this? No, I... No, no, I think she, she just likes the weed. <laughs> she does, as we know, uh, as we find out. Love the pot, John. No judgments. Not here from the Brooklyn studio. Uh, moving on. Where do we go next, big guy? Uh, we're back to New York. We see Peggy and Pete once again. It just Doesn't it feel like every time it's just the two of them in a scene, it's just weird? Of course it's weird, John. Or is it every time he's in a scene? It's, it's every time. It's every time Rapey Pete's in the scene. It uh, it, it weirds me out. Um, although you know, um, he's quickly becoming my favorite character. <laughs> but he, you know, he, he walks in. He says, "Wow, what's this? Uh, you, you got a new office, huh?" And uh, she goes, "Yeah, I'm. I'm sleeping with Don. It's working out real well." <laughs> uh, he tells her uh, that he's going to lose Clearasel. Uh, she says that's hogwash, uh, unfortunately. And uh, then they also they start to talk about Don. Peggy asks, uh, you know, what happened out there in California? And Pete tells her that, you know, he just straight up disappeared. He didn't even check out of the hotel. And uh, he was going to call the police. And Peggy said, why didn't you? And that's when Pete says, he, he knows some things about Don. But she, she does not want to hear some gossip. No, no gossip, John. But he wouldn't be surprised if Don didn't come back at all. Which shows how little the, the Pete'ster knows. Uh, or how much. Because he oh. was almost right. <laughs> yeah. As we just talked about a few scenes ago. Who's stupid now? Uh, the last scene... <laughs> the last scene um, in, in, in the uh, show, if, if I may bounce, is uh, Don walking into the ocean. And I believe... Uh, as we know, I'm not good at uh, at the uh, thinking, <clears throat> but it looks as if this is a a, a bit of a, uh, a a baptism, a rebirth, if you will, kind of scene, John. Oh, very good. Thank you. They couldn't have made it any more obvious for us, but you know. Well, and, you know, again, just like she was saying before, he's trying to, you know, just try to find peace. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. So maybe we'll see a whole new leaf turnover, John. Who knows? I mean, not seeing, not have seen the next two seasons. Uh, I'm wondering. <laughs> uh, John. Yeah. Can we just can we just zip through the mailbag here? Yeah, yeah. We got to open it first. Burp. Burp, burp, burp. Oh, very good. Uh, we, we got uh, a bunch of them though. Well, uh, thank you everybody that uh, that wrote in. We got Patrick from Massachusetts. Uh, he's excited again that Sterling's Gold is in print. Again, we got these a little while ago, so uh, thank you for that. In um, in previous episodes, Paul, you've uh, a, a alluded to a career in some sort of creative profession, yes. but never elaborated on oh. that. Do you have a similar role to any of the characters on the show? Patrick's guess was maybe that you're uh, comparable to maybe Danny. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, 
Well, since we don't know the name of the janitor in the show, uh, <laughs> thanks for at least saying I was at Danny's level. Um, so what, what? 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 Give 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 the people a little taste, Paul. What What is it that you do? What, I don't like to talk about my my personal life, but because yeah. we've all grown, so all six hundred of us have grown so close over yes. the last uh, uh, last year or so. Uh, okay, uh, I am a, a senior industrial designer, uh, and what that or product designer, depending on uh, uh, which which is more helpful to understand. Uh, I do structural packaging. Uh, so I actually design the um, the bottles, the um, the structure for the product. Um, so, so it's packaging. Yeah, but it's not boxes. Uh, a lot of people are consumed, uh, think that I when I explain that that I do like boxes and put the graphics on it, and that's that's not it. I do. Um, you do like the shape of the shampoo. I bottle. do the shape of shampoo, uh, detergent, uh, all that stuff in the grocery store. So uh, that's what I do. So, oh, and I, I've worked. I've worked in a similar place. Uh, uh, I've worked in a uh, branding and advertising firm. So, um, uh, some of the uh, in an earlier job, and so some of the uh, the meetings and just the the kind of office um, stuff uh, does uh, kind of ring familiar. Um, although uh, this not being fifty years ago, uh, we're much nicer to the ladies. Well, very good. So there you go. That's Patrick. I hope you're satisfied. I hope so too. Um, thank you for that. We got our friend Angie from Columbus. Uh, she wrote in, and I think you said on the last time, Paul, that you were only going to get Sterling's Gold if it's available with Roger Sterling reading it. Yes, and it is. Oh, jeez. And uh, she sent us the link. We'll we'll make sure to put that up for people where you can actually hear on NPR a, oh. a an excerpt of him reading. I listen to that. Yeah. Um, and it was uh, it, it was fantastic. Uh, Angie's also missing the Mad Men passing off the time with Dexter and X Files. Uh, I guess we could recap those. Nope. No. Nope. Uh, Jane writes, "So glad that you're back. Now I can get back on the treadmill to work out and be entertained. You guys are hysterical." Uh, wait, this was Jan. This was Jane. Jane, it's the holiday season. Don't wait for us to get back on the treadmill. Okay. <laughs> We've all got to stay strong. Sorry. Uh, our friend Stacy writes in, uh, uh, miss you all, uh, and missed, missed you and the show so much that I ventured out and checked out other Mad Men podcasts. Don't do that. She says, wow, you guys really rock. No comparison. You are witty, funny, trendsetters. Not even going to bother with the other ones again. That's exactly right. Now, I'm sorry you even had to do that. Uh, and she, she asks technically, when she gets to the website, themadmenrecap.com, Every one of the podcasts starts to play. Uh, is there any way to stop that? Uh, use Firefox. Okay, there you go. You should be using that so, anyway. I use Firefox on both a Mac and a PC, and I've never had every one start to play. My guess is you're using Internet Explorer, and that's that's wrong. Uh, she also writes that she has found somewhere through her searches that Dr. John is not only devastatingly handsome, but quite the heartbreaker. Paul, can you comment? <laughs> Are people stalking you, John? Uh, can I comment that John is very handsome and a heartbreaker? Well, of course I can. Have you not heard his voice? That would break any woman's heart. Moving on. And sticking with the uh, kind of the, the technical aspect of it, we had a couple of uh, guys, uh, Dan and Kevin, who's from Minnesota. They both write in and say, "How do you work your magic?" It's really not how very you, magical. How, how, how do you? We don't even. You know, how do you put together the podcast? 
keep it sounding so good. Um, Dan actually runs a pretty cool website called The Basket of Kisses at uh, lipsisters.com, and we'll put that link up. But um, uh, So that, that was kind of their question. So, Paul, I'll let you just kind of walk us through uh, a day in the life of a recap. Okay. Well, I was going to do an extra portion at the end of this episode, but um, if you'd like to stick around for this, that's fine. If not, please email us and get on the Facebook. You've heard it a million times, so we don't need to do it again. So we'll wait for people to, to, to turn off their their um, their iPods and iPhones if they don't. Okay, are you gone? Good. All right. Uh, so what we do, uh, John and I do, uh, uh, right now we're discussing over Skype. So we Skype with each other. But um, as we learned with um, recording the first uh, season of episodes, uh, that doesn't always uh, work out so well because uh, Skype is uh, fickle and sometimes uh, his audio can drop off if I'm just doing the recording here on my machine. So uh, what, what we do to get a better quality sound is something called a double ender. Um, and no, you don't need to go to an Asian country and pay, pay someone to teach you how to do this. It's not a sexual maneuver, it's not. Uh, all it is, is what you do is on both sides, um, you each have an audio program and you record only your audio and then one person put it, puts it back together and syncs it up. So how that works is we use Audacity here because uh, GarageBand crashes uh, so much. And uh, I'm recording my audio here and John's recording his audio there. Um, and what we do is before we, st before we, um, before we start talking, or before we get into the episode, we each count off. So I say one, John says two, I say three, he says four, and so on. And so then when I go back in to sync up the audio, you can actually see the waves of when I'm silent and when he's um, you know, saying his number. So that makes, it, uh, that makes it pretty easy to sync. Now there's a lot of things you can do to get better quality. Um, and I don't have the time <clears throat> nor the interest in auto, audio editing to, um, to fix some of the issues with our, our audio, um, but there's a lot of online help uh, to help limit your peaks and um, just make an overall uh, better quality sound. There's programs like Sound Soap um, to help um, even out the video. So if there's any kind of buzz or air sound, it can clean all that up. But um, like I said, I don't have the time um, to do all that, but you can make it. You can make your you can make your podcast extremely professional uh, for a relatively low cost. Uh, now, both John and I have bought um, microphones, uh, higher quality microphones, to help us sound a little better. Uh, John bought a Snowball, and I bought an Audio Technica, and I believe the Audio Technica sounds a little clearer. Are they both by Blue? No, the, mine's by Audio Technica. Oh, okay. Um. So that really helped out with us sounding better. Don't record on your um, laptop mic or on your webcam mic because they're just not. Um, we learned that the hard way. Yeah, they're, they're, they're just not good. Um, from there, uh, to get a little more in depth, uh, iTunes isn't going to host your uh, audio file or your podcast for you. Uh, so you're going to have to come up with a way of hosting it. Uh, and I think there's lots of online uh, hosts for podcasts. Um, but because I also run our site, um, I host everything on our own server, uh, which I've just bought server space and I, I've done websites before. So I had a, I had a good, um, I had a good knowledge of that. Um, it also helps with John sending the audio to us cause I've set him up to be able to drop, uh, his audio file, which is usually what 300 meg, John. 
350. Yeah, um, to drop that straight on my server so that I can pick it up, um, download it, and uh, put the audio together. Um, you then also need to get uh, something called Feeder because uh, all of podcasting is based on something uh, uh, called RSS. Uh, what RSS does is uh, it, it's how iTunes knows that there's a new um, a new show out there. It's a feed. So when I uh, upload a new show, um, being that it's uh, put together with RSS, uh, iTunes can grab it and download it without you having to check. Uh, so you need to um, create that. Uh, that's going to be a little more confusing. If you're on a Mac, a great program for this is Feeder. Uh, it's pretty simple to set up. And what that does is it writes the RSS file and takes your audio file and uh, and publishes it to your uh, your FTP or your server, um, and, and then um, you set you submit all that to iTunes originally, and that's how you get going on the store. But like I said, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of information on this online. Obviously, um, it really helps to have a little bit of background and how the internet works. Um, but I'm sure there's online sites that'll do most of this for you. And if you're a Mac user, you can go through um, um, iLife, use iWeb and an iDisk, and it, I'm sure it, it's it's ridiculously simple. So that's the uh, the short, confusing uh, description of how we do the show. I'm sorry I don't write this back in emails, but it's just kind of a lot of information. No, no that was very good, and. Uh... Uh, that's going to be a lot of help to a lot of people, I think. We're going to have some great quality podcasts. Uh, I know people have probably tuned out by now. Yeah. But there was one last thing. Um, somebody wrote in that says, uh, Robin says that they don't use iTunes. Are there other podcatchers that we're available on? There are. Uh, go on the internet and search for them. That they can get to our show from other... Yeah, I believe there's a thing called Juice. Okay. Uh, that you can use. And um, if you if you need a link to the RSS... Uh, let let me know, um, and I'll uh, I'll send you that link. But uh, you should be able to find us. Okay. Yeah, John. Uh, if anyone's still listening that doesn't care about that last part, join our Facebook page, get us on Twitter, and send us an email at staff at dot com. Great job. It was wonderful talking to you, John. I can't wait to do the next episode at some point later. Season finale, my friend. Oh, Talk to you later, pal. Yep, bye. Bye-bye.